Galatians 1, 1 through 16. Let's look first at the first five verses. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me. That's a strong opening, huh? Sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Paul starts off in this letter to the church in Galatia with first a, a little business card. Hey, I'm not peddling my own stuff here. I'm not on a mission from men, from men. But as the Blues Brothers put it, I'm on a mission from God. I've been sent by Christ, been sent by God to do God's work. And then he extends God's grace and God's peace, and then he gets right down into business and reminds them of the gospel. It's a very clear reminder. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Really, he's summing up the essence of, of Christianity. Jesus gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sins and rescued us from the bondage of sin. Paul continues, <clears throat> verses 6 through 6 and 7. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. For Paul, as he addressed the church in Galatia, I just realized that my uh, New England accent's coming out. It's not the church in Galatia. It's the church in Galatia. As he's addressing the church of Galatia, he finds that they're adding to the gospel. They're modifying the gospel. In fact, there was this, this, this Jewish philosophy that was permeating the Christian church. These Christians in Galatia started out strong. But as they got more advanced, as they grew more mature, they were taking back on a form of Jewish legalism and using it as a measuring stick for their faith. And in doing so, their focus was shifting from the gospel to something other than the gospel. It's amazing that um, this passage in Galatia that the reformers found themselves in, in the early 1500s. And in CRC circles, we normally focus on Calvin um, and uh, not so much on Martin Luther, but tonight I want to focus a little bit on, on Martin Luther and some of the things that he did. Being Reformation Sunday, I thought I would weave in a little bit of uh, Reformational history and Reformational theology. In 1516 and 1517, the 
the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church sent this guy, Johann Tetzel. He was a Dominican friar, um, and he was a, the, the, the commissioner for indulgences. He was sent to Germany by the Roman Catholic Church to raise money to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Now, Roman Catholic theology at the time stated that faith alone can't justify man, and that only faith that is active in charity and good works can justify man. Now, you could see um, where they may have, why they have adopted that. There's clear passages like James, for instance. I show you my faith. Um, you show you me your faith in words. I show you my faith in action. And uh, in, in other parts of the Bible, the New Testament makes clear that a true sign of faith is works. But it's not works that justify. It's faith that justifies. And so um, this uh, Johann Tetzel gets sent to Germany, and he is asked to raise money to build the basilica through the selling of indulgences. Now, indulgences were um, really prescriptions for forgiveness for either you or your loved ones who haven't quite made it to heaven. We're stuck in purgatory, which is another issue. But let's say that um, you knew that your brother lived a not-so-good life, and when he died, you were pretty sure that uh, his, his uh, eternal resting place was, may, may not be heaven right away. This, this is with a, a Catholic mindset. And so you'd be afraid for him. You'd be, you'd be um, sad. And so you would take your money and you would buy an indulgence. And it was a, a written letter from the Pope, um, a blessing, to help your brother move from purgatory to heaven. There was a saying that was attributed to Tetzel that says, as soon as the coin in the coffer rings... The soul from purgatory springs. And because of greed and a lot of other political issues, the church was looking in, a, in probably one of its worst states. The Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s not only sold indulgences, but they also sold pastorates and other um, ecclesiastical positions. Wanted to be a pastor? Hey, you don't have the seminary degree? Don't worry. Give us 50 grand. We'll get you the spot. They are shifting away from the gospel that the church was built upon. And that was the impetus for the Protestant Reformation. Now I want to ask, are we ever in jeopardy of doing something like that? It happened back in, in, in uh, Paul's day in the Church of Galatia. It happened in the Roman Catholic Church in the Reformers' day. What about Faith CRC? What about the church in Greater Elmhurst? What about in our lives? If the human default is legalistic religion, in what ways are we most likely in danger of trading the gospel for a counterfeit? Do you know that even the Bible 
can be a substitute for the gospel. Even the Bible can be an idol. In seminary, I had a brilliant, brilliant professor at one of the seminaries I attended. I won't tell you which one, because I don't want to fling any mud. But uh, this man was highly noted for his love for Scripture and highly noted for his surgical precision with the original languages, the Greek and the Hebrew. He was very, very good at understanding Scripture and teaching Scripture. I took two different classes with him, and I was in awe almost every hour. But outside the classroom was a different story. Outside discussions that revolved around God's word, you had to scratch your head and wonder, what is going on here? He was short-tempered. He was kind of a mean guy. And if you were to line up all the faculty and staff in a row, in order of those who exhibited most Christ-likeness, he would end up on the far end and dead last. If he cared only a quarter as much about living out and conforming to the word, he was so skilled at analyzing and teaching, his witness would have been phenomenal. I don't want to play judge and make judgments, although I I've kind of alluded that I already have. But even sacred things can become golden calves. What might be working to sub subvert the gospel in your life? Are there influences in your faith that are keeping you from the center of the gospel of Christ? Let's see how Paul confronts this gospel distortion. Let's look at 8 through 12. But even if we, Paul says, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now... Not now trying to win the approval of men or God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. These are some pretty strong words. Did you ever realize that it's in the Bible? That Paul says... Hey, if we, or if an angel comes down and preaches a different gospel other than the one you were taught, may they be eternally condemned. Paul is sold out on the gospel because he's know, he knows that it's from God. Don't tinker with God's rescue plan. This gospel modification prompted Paul to write this letter to the Galatian church. Let's see how Martin Luther responded to the gospel modification in his day. On October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther wrote a document later entitled, entitled the 95 Theses. And it protested the sale of indulgences. It condemned the Pope's leveraging of the me meager earnings of the poor for the building of this 
great basilica in Rome. And at the heart of Luther's argument is many of the five solas of the Reformation. The five solas are five Latin phrases that emerged during the, the, the Reformation, not by any one particular author, but they were a common theme in all the reformers, Calvin and Luther especially. And the Latin word sola means alone or only. And the five solas are the five fundamental beliefs that, that emerged in reaction to the, the, the false doctrine in the Catholic Church. All five implicitly rejected or countered the errant teachings of the Catholic Church at that time period. First one we have is sola scriptura. This one is the most, probably the most easiest. Sola scriptura, what does that mean? What does the Latin mean in English? Scripture alone. The Bible is the only inspired and authoritative word of God. It's the only source for Christian do doctrine and is accessible to all. See, I come from a, 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 a stumbling on my words here. I'm coming from, I come from a, a pretty large Irish Catholic family. And uh, my mom's Methodist, so I grew up uh, with a foot in both churches. And I know that uh, the Catholic Catechism teaches a dual foundation. And if you ever want to uh, um, just, if you ever have a, a disagreement or a question and you just can't figure out the Catholic viewpoint, this is very helpful. And it's a bridge builder for conversations or whatnot. That the, the uh, Protestant church has one foundation, the Bible. The Catholic church has a dual foundation, the Bible and the seat of the Pope. So the Bible and church history. It's a dual foundation, the Bible and church history, where the Protestant um, denominations have just the Bible. Sola Scriptura. The Bible is the only inspired and authoritative word for God, and it's accessible to all, not just the religious uh, priests. How about Sola Fida? Any, anyone? Faith alone, yeah. It's the teaching that justification or being declared right by God is received by faith only without a mixture or need for good works. Faith alone. How about sola gratia? Grace alone. It means that salvation is an unearned gift from God for Jesus' sake. There's no other way we can earn, buy, or otherwise win it apart from God's grace. This one's pretty easy, too. Solus Christus. Christ alone. Christ is the only mediator between us and God. And there's salvation through no other means. It doesn't matter how many indulgences you buy. It doesn't no matter how many get-out-of-jail-free cards you have signed by the cardinal or the pope or whoever. It's by Christ alone. Last one, soli deo gloria. Glory to God alone. It means that all glory is due to God alone. It really goes without saying, since faith is a gift from God and salvation is a gift from God, there is no room for anyone to share in God's glory. These are the five pillars that came out of the Reformation. And many of these same things Paul is getting at in his scripture. When did you 
And why did you start walking away from the gospel we taught? And if anybody teaches you a different gospel than when the one we taught, may they be condemned. On April 18th, 1521, a few years later, by the way, I, f I found this fascinating fact that when Luther posted these 95 theses, um, Calvin was eight years old. So uh, there's, there's a little bit of gap between the Reformation that happened in Germany and the one that happened in France and in other parts of Europe. And uh, um, Luther was really the first domino to fall. And he had something really going and amazingly helpful in his favor, the printing press. And uh, historical scholars say the printing press was first really used for uh, an ideological battle by, by Luther. And he, he had those, uh, the 95 Theses printed, and, and soon everyone in Germany had a copy in about two weeks. And in about three months, all of Europe was reading the 95 Theses. Can you imagine how mad that made some folks? So mad that the church ended up excommunicating him. It took a little while. He wanted to stay and reform from within. But eventually they said, this guy's a heretic. And they excommunicated him. And uh, about four years, three and a half years after he posted those, he was now ordered to appear before the Holy Roman Emperor and defend himself before the Holy Roman Emperor. You know, I don't care if it's just a man. Just the title alone would cause you to sweat. He could easily sign your death warrant. And so at the Diet of Worms, which uh, without the German V there, it looks like the Diet of Worms, which um, would, would cause any kid to go, ooh. Luther had to stand in trial. And the prosecution, on behalf of the Holy Roman Emperor, presented Luther with copies of his own writing. And he laid it out on the table and asked him, is, is this your stuff? And do you stand by their, its contents? And Luther nodded. He said, I'm the author. But he requested time to think about the second question. Now think about this. His life is on the line. And so he prayed that night. He consulted friends. And the next day he gave his response in front of everyone, including the Holy Roman Emperor. And he says this, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted. And my conscience is captive, captive to the word of God. See that scripture alone? I cannot and will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against my, my conscience. May God help me. Amen. And there's some famous words that are attributed to him, but historians aren't quite sure if he said that. Here I stand. I hope he did say those, because that is awesome. Let's look once more at Paul's words to the Galatian church, starting in verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. Paul's doing a little boasting here. And I was extremely zealous for the tradition 
the traditions of my father, uh, of my fathers. But God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. It's funny that when you look at Paul's writings in Philippians and other places, Paul often flaunts two facts about his past. One, that he was a master at religious legalism. And two, his legalism got him nowhere with God. In that famous passage in Philippians, I consider all that rubbish for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. It's only by Christ's saving intervention that gets him confident standing with God. Luther had similar feelings. Luther dedicated himself to the monastic life. He devoted himself to fasting, long hours of prayer. He went on pilgrimages and frequent confessions. He would later remark that if anyone could have gained heaven as a monk, then I would indeed have been among them. Sounds a lot like Paul. Luther described that period in his life as one of deep spiritual despair. He was doing all these things, but not feeling the love of God, not feeling the grace or forgiveness of God. He said, I lost touch with Christ the Savior and Comforter and made him the jailer and hangman of my poor soul. He was so caught up in legalism that he was miles away from the gospel that that legalism was built off of. He would be freed from this when he discovered the true gospel message when studying the book of Romans. He was reminded again and again, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, all the way through the book of Romans, that it's by grace alone. It's a sheer gift that we are justified by God through Jesus Christ. We can't earn it. It's bestowed upon us. So as we reflect on history, this Reformation Day, we, may we be reminded of the simple but life-giving truth. That while we're still sinners, Christ died for us and granted to us the free but costly gift of forgiveness and the priceless matchless gift of a restored relationship with our Creator.